story number seven from Look Both Ways by Jason Reynolds, Nestle Street. Sachimo's Master Plan. Today after school, Sachimo Jenkins worked out a master plan to save his life. A plan he wished he'd come up with a long time ago. It started back when Sachimo was fit. He was seven years old, and the Rottweiler was 32 years old, which was old enough for him to know better, Sachimo had thought. The dog had taken a chunk out of the back of Sachimo's legs, left teeth marks that scarred in the shape of a sad face. It was a freak accident, a moment that no one could have predicted, because Sachimo Jenkins never, ever missed. Whenever a ball was thrown toward him, he was sure to snatch it from the air. He was known for this, but when Clancy had told him to go long, and he heaved the football into the air, Sachimo had tried his best to extend his body stretched out for it, but it was just beyond him, overthrown, and when the ball hit the ground, it took the worst possible bright bounce right into Miss Adams' yard, where Brutus, the Rottweiler, lived, chained to a tree. When the ball tumbled Brutus's way, he jumped up, tail like a stubby index figure, finger, wagging hard enough to knock him off balance, nose to the ball and tried to get his mouth around it, tried to get his teeth locked down on the pigskin. But Brutus's excitement got the best of him, and he ended up knocking the ball just past the length of the chain restraining him. Perfect for Satchmo. Yo, Satch, Clancy had called. Hurry up and get it before Miss Adams sees you. Miss Adams was Brutus's owner, an older lady who sat in the window and watched the neighborhood, making sure no one stepped foot in her yard, as if her grass was different was a different kind of grass, like she had flown it in from wherever mean people get grass from. Sometimes she'd have the window wide open, even when it was freezing cold, and she'd just be sitting there, looking, the bottom of her mouth sagging from the tobacco she always had stuffed down her lip. Sometimes she'd spit black juice loogies halfway across the yard clean pellet-sized ones, like shooting bullets out of her mouth. Other times, she'd split, she'd spit in a jar. The rumor was, she'd mix that tobacco, tobacco slime with Brutus's food, make him extra mean, make sure anyone that came into her yard knew they were dealing with the beast, who could only be held by a big bull chain wrapped around a fat trunked tree. And when she saw Satchmo, instead of doing the old lady wave, and, hey, how's your mother, like some of the other grown-ups in the neighbor, neighborhood, Ms. Adams just nodded slightly. Sachimo had always imagined the inside of her house was like an old boxing gym. That it was bare and cold and smoky, heavy bags hanging from the ceiling that Miss Adam gave bare knuckle jabs and right hooks to. Maybe she even kicked them, kneed them, some elbows. Sometimes Sachimo even thought that maybe he had it all wrong, that maybe Brutus wasn't Miss Adam's guard dog, but instead she was Brutus's guard lady. She was there to protect the dog, to bite anyone who tried to get close to him with those black stained teeth. Sachimo had looked to see if Miss Adams was sitting in the window, then glanced back at Clancy, who shook his head, no, as in, no, she ain't there, as in, yes, you should do this, as in, hurry up. So Sachimo tipped off the street and onto the sidewalk, then off the sidewalk and into the yard of Brutus Adams, a basketball-headed Rottweiler, black with a heart of brown around his mouth. Hey there, Brutus, Sachimo whispered, creeping toward the football. There was nothing to fear because the ball was far enough away from the dog that there was no way Brutus could get to him. But with each step, Brutus's tail would wag harder and harder, wagging like, yes, 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 and no, 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 at the same time. Wagging like, I'm happy to see you and I want to play, but we play different games. You never miss, me either. Wagging like, Satchmo picked up the ball, wiped the slobber on his jeans. Finders keepers. He held the ball up, a sign of victory for Clancy to see. Clancy put his hands in the air as if Satchmo had just retrieved a fumble. Victory. Wag. Wag, 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 wag. Panting, jumping, jumping, barking. Losers, runners. 
Sachimo glanced over his shoulder, and Brutus, now more excited than ever, was charging toward him, the chain snatching him back, but only for a second before he tried again, lifting up on his hind legs and towering over Sachimo, who had now started running back toward the street. But it was too late, the game had already begun, and seconds later the chain snapped, and Brutus came blasting toward Sachimo. Sachimo was named after Louis Armstrong, a famous jazz musician his grandmother loved. The story goes that Louis was nicknamed Sachimo because he had such a big mouth, a satchel mouth. However, Sachimo Jenkins' mouth wasn't big at all, but he learned that day that it could be a trumpet if he needed it to. It could screech and honk and run up and down a scale as long as there was a dog making him run up and down a street. Four years later, Sachimo moved from his old neighborhood to Marlow Hill after his mother had taken a job as an office assistant at a veterinary clinic. Sachimo's run-in with Brutus had sparked a new dream of being a vet, and though she'd have to go through years of school, and training to make that happen. She looked at this job, this move, as a step in the right direction. And now that she worked close to animals, she made sure Sachimo knew how to handle himself around dogs. But no matter what his mother said, no matter what she taught him, it didn't matter. Fear had clamped down on his brain, and the scars on his back of his legs. The raised dots, the dashes like Morse code on his skin, served a reminder that dogs were dangerous. He'd heard people say, If they got teeth, they'll bite and he watched his mother push back and argue against that. And on the flip side, he'd seen all the commercials of sad pups locked behind cages, sick and shivering, the voice of some celebrity trying to convince people to adopt one. And he'd say, sometimes out loud, maybe they're in there for a reason. His mother didn't like that either. Your bite was a misunderstanding, Satch, she'd say. He wanted to play, but you got tense. So then he got tense because your attention made it clear to him that you weren't playing. Why would I want to play when he was barking and growling? His play-play looked like bite-bite. But small dogs didn't bother him. As long as they were no bigger than a football, he could deal. Anything bigger caused his back to tighten, made his heart bark. Thankfully, since living in Marlow Hill, his walks home had been dogless. Until yesterday. Yesterday he was walking down Nestle Street, when he passed Mr. Jerry's house and saw something out the corner of his eye, something big and furry. It darted across the patch of grass Mr. Jerry had along the side of his house, blocked off by a chain-link fence. Satchimo's stomach dropped to his feet, his throat twisted like twines making rope. He turned his head to see what he knew he'd already seen, to make sure that his first thought and peripheral vision hadn't lied. Mr. Jerry had gotten a dog. Mr. Jerry's wife had passed away a few months ago. A week later, Satchimo stood with his mother at Mr. Jerry's front door, a houseplant in his hand. His mother was holding a pound cake. She'd made him as a way to say, sorry for your loss, and Sachimo wished the pound cake was enough, and that his mother didn't have to keep talking, and suggest Mr. Jerry get a dog, adopt one from a shelter. Pound cake, not a dog from the pound, Sachimo thought. Lose a life, save another, save his mo said, his mother said to Mr. Jerry sweetly. To take mine, Sachimo had thought. Mr. Jerry said no, 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 said he wasn't ready. Guess he was ready now, and not for a small one. Not for a furry football, but for a big husky thing that looked like it was mixed. Some German Shepherd, some Labrador, some Rottweiler, some monster that Sachimo wasn't sure was there or not, but decided it was so. That was all he needed to see to start devising plans. Escape routes. Today after school, Sachimo Jenkins left his class of the day math and headed to his locker in a haze. He opened it, swapped out books, and stuck his head in a locker for a moment to take a few deep breaths to get himself together. This walk home was going to be a big one, one that he hoped 
wouldn't result in him adding a smiley face scar on the other leg. Satch, catch, John John Watson called out, tossing a textbook at Satchmo, who looked up just the right time not to be hit in the face. He blocked the book with his hands, then tried to grab hold, tried to catch it, fumbling, fumbling, fumbling it before it hit the floor. You left it in Mr. Stevens' class, John John said. He pulled a few random sandwich bags from his pocket, folded them awkwardly, then stuffed them back down. Oh, good looks, Satchmo said, trying to snap himself out of it, or at least pretend he was never snapped into it. Lifesaver. No problem, John John said, before hustling off. Satchmo picked the book up, tossed it in the air, caught it. A small piece of paper slid out from between the pages, an invitation to Cynthia Sowers' comedy show. But Satchmo was in no mood for laughing. He tossed the book in the air again, caught it again before putting it in his bag and closing the locker door. Snap. After he got outside, headed toward the corner, made the right on Portal as if walking toward Chestnut Street, but making the right onto Nestle before getting to Chestnut, he started running down his game plan, amping himself up for the mission. That's what this was for him. A mission. Okay, Snatch. You're prepared. You've thought it all through. You will not get bit. You will not get eaten. Breathe, Satch, breathe, and work it all out. If the dog jumps the fence, when the job dump, dog, when the dog jumps the fence, don't panic. Just do what you've planned. Break to the right. If Mr. Jerry's pickup truck is parked on the street, jump into the back of it and scream for help. That's the first base. That's your go-to. But if, for some reason, Mr. Jerry's truck isn't there, if, for some reason, he's out, I don't know, saving other dogs while his neighbors run for their lives, then keep going right into the Carter's property. You won't have time to ring the doorbell. Plus, Mr. and Mrs. Carter will be at work. So run. Behind their house. They have a pool. It's not a big pool, and actually you've never seen it, but you remember your mother talking about it. How all the neighbors are gossiping about how they were putting a pool in the backyard in this neighborhood. And she was saying it was like she wasn't gossiping too, so if there's actually a pool back there, dive in. Don't worry about how deep it is. You can swim. Just jump in there. Hopefully the dog won't even follow you back there. But if it does, maybe it won't jump in the pool. But if for some reason it does jump in, you jump out immediately. The thing is, dogs have to do that ridiculous doggy paddle thing. So they can't be vicious and do that at the same time. They also can't do that fast. They're dogs, not seals. So when you hop out, you'll have a head start. Before the dog gets to the other side of the pool and climbs back onto land, use this time to jump the fence. Your mother says the Carters put up to keep Mrs. Winston's little kids from playing in their pool that we're not sure exists. But the fence is there. You know that. It's not too high. But get a running start because you're going to be soaking wet. If you can still get over it, if you still can't get over, then quickly, as quickly as possible, take off your shirt and pants and shoes and try again. Sure, you need your clothes, but you need your life more. Your mother will understand, and you'll get over with the embarrassment of being outside in your underwear. Once you're over the fence, you should be safe, because the dog should be too tired from all the swimming to jump the fence. But it's going to try, and while it's trying, you better be booking it back to the street and home. But if for some reason, when you get back to the street, the dog is there waiting for you, man, you might be dead. No, 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 no. If for some reason, the dog is there waiting for you, break off and jump on that old car that's been sitting in front of Sedani's house. After Sedani had stolen the car a few years ago, he only ever buys old crappy cars that he can't get working, so he won't mind you jumping on the hood. And if the dog jumps on the hood with you, uh, climb the roof. The dog should slip on the windshield some, but don't count on that. While he's slipping and sliding, jump off the car and see if it's unlocked. Sedani never locks the doors of the cars because he knows they're impossible to start and therefore impossible to steal. If it's open, jump in, close the door. 
This is a safe place because you don't need to turn the car on to roll the windows down. It will have the old kind of window roll downer. Crack the window and scream until help comes, but if for some reason the door is locked, pull the sausage patties you've saved from this morning's breakfast out and fling them like frisbees. If the dog doesn't go for them, though really, who wouldn't, then you'll have to break out your roots, your zigs and zags. Just like back when you and Clancy pretended to be in the Super Bowl. Him, the quarterback, and you, the wide receiver. Where do you think Clancy is? What do you think he's doing right now? Throwing Hail Marys? Running the opposite way? Not helping his teammates? Why didn't he chase Brutus? Why didn't he tackle him? If he would have tackled him, he wouldn't. you would have barked at it, growled at it, so it knew, that, knew what that felt like. Not important right now. What's important is making sure you have your zigs and zags ready. Be prepared to cut left and cut right, stutter and juke, stagger and jerk. He has four legs, you have two. There's no way the dog will be able to keep up, right? Or maybe the more legs the better? Who knows? But do it anyway, zig and zag all the way home. When you get to your house, run around to the side door that you left unlocked this morning knowing that your mother would kill you if she knew you left the door unlocked because y'all don't have a guard dog or an alarm system. If for some reason, some strange reason, that side door is locked, well, Sachimo, you'll just have to pray for a miracle, a distraction, something crazy, like a school bus falling from the sky. This is what Sachimo told himself, what he was ready to execute the master plan to save his life as he approached Mr. Jerry's house. Sachimo had purposely walked on the other side of the street to give himself a little bit of an advantage. No need to bait the beast. As he slinked past Mr. Jerry's front door, coming up in his side yard, Sachimo's backbone became rawhide, his stomach squishy, a squishy chew toy, his palms wet but his fingers dry like dog treats. When he heard the bark, well, not really a bark, but the gruff voice of an old man, Satch! Satch! Mr. Jerry was calling out to him. He was kneeling behind the fence, rubbing the dog's head, its tongue slapping the old man's cheek. No bite bite. Love, love. Satch, come here, Mr. Jerry said, his face a touchdown dance all on its own. I want to introduce you to my friend, 